Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a new parliament begins with today's speech from the throne. There's, I think, a lot of opportunity to work together here, uh, and I'm trying to get as much support as I can for our legislative agenda, uh, because I think there are so many areas where, um, you know, our, where our interests and the constituencies that we represent uh, overlap. And I think people expect to see us working together. That's what I'm trying to do. The NDP says it's having ongoing discussions about fast-tracking legislation. In terms of how we pass those bills, we're open to looking at ways to speed up the passage of bills that we agree with that will make life better for Canadians. So we're open to that. And we've got discussions that are ongoing with our House leader and our whip's office. And questions remain about vaccination numbers in the Conservative caucus. I don't know the personal health information of my colleagues or really of any, no, no members of Parliament in the House of Commons. I can tell you though, that Conservative MPs are here today. We are all here with the exception uh, of a couple. One is not here because uh, he did test positive for COVID. There are a couple who are not here, not related at all to vaccines. It's Tuesday, November 23rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So here we are after a long break and uh, uh, an interesting but but uh, in the end uneventful election, at least in terms of uh, the outcome of the election, uh, at the point where we have a speech from the throne today that will set out the government's agenda. There's a new Governor General, Mary Mae Simon, who will be delivering the speech from the throne uh, what do you expect? What do you think we're going to hear? I think the Governor General, as you're hinting there, is probably the newest, almost different thing we're going to see in this speech from the throne. Mm. Um, uh, you know, the Prime Minister's office was telegraphing yesterday to people not to expect surprises. If you've been following the election campaign and the budget before that and the throne speech before that, you'd have a pretty good idea of what is going to be said today by Mary Simon. Um, the one thing I, I think was interesting, I went and counted. They, they, they said they're not going to have, it's not going to be a long speech. In fact, it would be closer in length to what the speech was in 2015 than it was in 2020. So I, I went and checked what the word count was. In 2015, right after they were elected, their throne speech was not even 2,000 words. It, it was around 1,700 or so. Hmm. And in 2020, the last time they did one, it was nearly 7,000 words. Um, it took nearly an hour for the former governor general to read uh, the last time they did this. So they said that they have they have put the throne speech on a diet. It is very, very, it's going to be very short, concise, succinct, um, but not a lot of specifics. So we're going to hear about, you know, post-pandemic recovery. We're going to hear about child care and housing um, as key to the economic, uh, get used to the word resilience. Mm. They like that one. Um, climate change. And of course, because of what is going on in British Columbia right now, too, uh, they will be talking about that reconciliation as always and inclusion. So I, I think this is going to be sort of the Liberals' greatest hits but if i may be permitted an antique reference rather than a long playing album it's going to be like a 45 <laughs> nice uh and and do you expect it to be ambitious there's been a lot of talk about that from a couple of perspectives one is 
the practical political consideration of of getting the support of the NDP and the Bloc Québécois. And the other is that um, there people are, are speculating that this could be uh, Justin Trudeau's last term as prime minister, and, and maybe he has an agenda of things he wants to accomplish during that time, although he said he's running again. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I lean to the idea that he is now thinking about his legacy, whether or not he runs again. And I'm told that climate change and childcare are the two big things that, you know, that he wants to leave his, his mark upon. So I, I would expect to hear a lot about that. Uh, about Trudeau himself has made no secret of that, that, that he, he does not believe that, or did not believe in his first term, that they made government relevant enough to people's lives. And thanks to the pandemic, some of that happened, but that was his goal was to reintroduce the idea that government can be a force for good. Uh, so uh, that was being telegraphed yesterday too, by by liberals is that this idea that the government can be a force for good will be sort of a theme of the speech. Um, but in terms of ambition, of what they practically speaking, what they need to get done, it was the government house leader, Mark Holland, who came out yesterday and said, basically four bills before Christmas. Um, you know, extending COVID supports, um, doing the more targeted things that we already know they were going to do, extending sick leave, um, 10 days of sick leave, the conversion therapy bill that uh, sort of collapsed in controversy in the spring, and, and the bills to protect hospitals and healthcare workers from protests. Right. So I, it not uh, it very immediate things. I was looking, when I was writing yesterday, I wanted to see whether we're going to see something in this throne speech that reflects those protests we saw during the election campaign. And all the ugliness and the, the you know, that, that slice of the population that is feeling either hatred to government, uh, opposition to vaccines. I, I wanted to know how that was going to turn up in the throne speech. And I think you'll see promises, uh, certainly about the, the hospital demonstrations. That's a, but also the government has maybe intentions in, in January or February. I think we're going to see the government move on things like uh, online hate and uh, a national action plan on hate. I think that is a there's a direct line between those protests. I think you saw in the in the election campaign and what the government is going to do too. And just quickly, Susan, how do you expect this parliament to work? Uh, Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, was talking about helping to fast-track some legislation. Um, in, in the last parliament, of course, the Liberals, due to COVID and, and other circumstances, many people described them as governing almost as if they had a majority. It wasn't that they were brought down. They chose to have an election. Um, mm-hmm. Is it going to be... Is it going to be more of the same? It doesn't feel like anybody is hankering for another election. So does Justin Trudeau have some runway, even though it's a minority parliament? Yeah, he definitely does. Nobody really wants an election right now. Um, and I, But I don't think you're going to see any formal agreement between the New Democrats and uh, the Liberals, as people keep saying is in the works. It's not, as far as I can see, Jagmeet Singh keeps pouring buckets of cold water over that every time he's asked about it. Yeah. I think it's just going to work. Um, 
piece by piece, uh, dance partner by dance partner. Um, I think one of the big questions is going to be, are they going to agree on a hybrid parliament of some kind where people can still phone in or or right. connect by Zoom, or is it going to be fully, as it was yesterday, everybody in the House except for a few people, and the controversy with the Conservatives continues on that in the vaccination front. So um, that's that's going to be a question for the next week or so, I think, or, or very soon, is are we going to have some kind of hybrid parliament for the long term? even when COVID is gone. Yeah. And there have been people talking about that in the context of it, it allowing for uh, better service uh, of constituents that if, if uh, particularly yep. for, for MPs in British Columbia and Yukon and, and um, beyond that, that, uh, and, and also more conducive to MPs who have families and, and that sort of thing. So, well, yeah, yeah, you and I have seen a lot of a, a lot of MPs quit because they couldn't um, yeah. they couldn't handle that. And let's not forget, Jagmeet Singh is going to be a father, uh, and his riding is in British Columbia in uh, in about a month. His his uh, his first baby is due, and trying to juggle fatherhood that that may be sort of a case study for yeah. why a hybrid parliament is a good idea. Yeah. Susan, we should touch for a moment on the on the prospect of an emergency debate over the situation in in British Columbia, um, and and obviously there there's a lot to discuss there in terms of federal aid and and other support. There's also uh, this is also being framed in the context of climate change and and what it means, uh, what it represents in terms of that discussion. Um, so do you expect there to, what, what do you expect to come from that at the federal level? Uh, yeah, Mark Holland, again, the new government house leader was, was strongly hinting over the weekend that the, an agreement has already been reached on that. So I would expect after we get the throne speech over today, maybe as soon as today, we're going to hear that an emergency debate is scheduled. I think everybody's got their eye on the ball on that. Um, generally, you have not seen this become a partisan issue, which is a good thing. It sounds like the government is talking a lot to, um, to the uh, conservative MPs who largely represent the ridings affected out there. But um, I, I think you're going to see the House, uh, which will be nice, um, all come as one and talk about what can be done for British Columbia because it truly is staggering. And and there's more to come. That's the, uh, the weather forecasts are all for more rain and uh, severe weather out there and it does put climate change right in the uh in the crosshairs yeah all right susan it's going to be a very interesting day um, and things are are getting you know really it's back to business now on parliament hill so it's going to be interesting to see yes. how things play out for the next month before before the winter break occurs, um, it'll be a short uh, kind of mini season of Canadian politics over the next month. We'll see what happens. Kind of like the throne speech, short yeah. but sharp. Yes. All right. Thanks, Susan. Okay. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Uh, this is absolutely an emergency and, and it merits having a debate. And our focus will be twofold. One is the broad question about climate crisis. There's no, there's no, there is no question. It's happening. We're feeling its impact right now. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. 
In McLean's, Rick Smith argues Canada's economy won't prosper without climate change investments. Smith writes, For years, climate action has been tied up in a false dichotomy of the economy versus the environment. That frame has been soundly discredited. It was never the economy or the environment. It's climate action and future prosperity or inaction and economic destruction. The floods, wildfires and heat domes that BC has experienced in 2021 can no longer be considered freak events. We must prepare to meet them with urgency, just as we would respond to any other known threats to our national and economic security. In the Toronto Star, Eric Blair considers the urgency to protect the French language in Quebec. Blair writes, There's a near consensus in Quebec regarding the necessity to protect the French language. That's why the government of François Legault has carte blanche to legislate to protect the language and spend public funds to promote it at every opportunity. Projections from Statistics Canada suggest Quebecers will speak less French in the future and steps are being taken to prevent this decline. But it's equally urgent to take action to ensure that the French spoken and written in Quebec in the future won't be a mashup of franglais and gibberish. At National News Watch, Daniel Robert Gooch argues a safe, resilient, sustainable network of airports is essential for Canada's future. Gooch writes, After more than 18 months of COVID-19, we are ready to take the next step to rebuild our economy, restore jobs, and create a greener future. But it will take the full commitment of the federal government and industry partners to get us there. Fortunately, the government has provided some financial assistance for airports. All the government needs to do is to evolve their short-term pandemic supports into longer-term programs to build a foundation for sustainable, resilient, and safe airports for decades to come. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. As we've discussed, Governor General Mary May Simon will deliver the speech from the throne to formally open the 44th Parliament of Canada. And the Prime Minister will chair the Cabinet meeting before taking part in the speech from the throne. He will also meet with the President of the Republic of Kosovo. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, November 23rd. Tune in to CPAC throughout the day today for coverage of the speech from the throne and to primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.